Hello and welcome to another episode of Professors at Work, where we talk to AUB professors and scholars about the research they're doing, what they're discovering, and what it means for the rest of us. My guest this week is Professor Bana Bashur, Associate Professor of Philosophy, and she's also the Director of the General Education Curriculum or Program at AUB, which she will tell us about. Bana, thank you for being with us. Thank you for having me. Uh, so, what is uh, general education, and why is a philosopher running the general education program? Thank you for having me again. What is general education? So, uh, when you have the difference between what are known as liberal arts institutions, or what they call today as liberal institutions of higher education, they're quite distinct from very uh, purely professional schools, in that a student is not only exposed to the field of study that they chose and they chose to pursue a profession in, but they're also exposed to a variety of different uh, disciplines and a variety of different areas. So the general education uh, curriculum of, in a liberal arts institution is one that introduces a student to areas outside their scope of uh, specialization, they expose them to the different fields in this way. It allows the student different lenses through which to view the world. This way, the student is not necessarily very limited to the profession that they're dedicating their future to, but they become more worldly. And this is the general education curriculum. If you know it currently at the American University of Beirut, students take classes in their majors, but they also have to take not just from one other area, but from a variety of different areas. This curriculum used to historically be a great books curriculum. So I don't know if you were mm -hmm. an undergraduate at AUB or any of our mm -hmm. listeners are undergraduates at AUB. It used to be a series of four courses that introduced sort of the history of civilization to the student. Wow. One of the problems actually I, I saw when I, when I took over this position was how a little art curriculum changed. And so I like to use the joke that my parents went to AUB as did I as undergraduates. Mm -hmm. And we not only took the same general education curriculum, we actually took the same general education courses. So, wow. uh, so the, yeah, that curriculum sort of stayed stagnant for a very long time. In 2005, there was a big upheaval of the curriculum in which, you know, one of the questions that was asked was, what was the purpose of the curriculum, of the general education curriculum? And the answer at that time was help students develop skills that will help them in life, but specifically in the workplace. Today, if you like, we see ourselves at the nexus of multiple different crises. And mm -hmm. as a philosopher, it's very natural for me to ask the existential questions. Yeah. You know, uh, what's the right. purpose of education? What are we doing as an institution of higher education? And so uh, talking about the general education curriculum is at the center of that for an institution such as AUB, uh, the liberal institution. So one of the projects that or the biggest project that we're currently doing is we're revamping and rechanging the whole general education curriculum. So there's a big upheaval and this has been in the works for a few years but it's hopefully going to come to fruition in the near future and we're hoping to do this and this is the method that we've been following through conversations with all really all faculty uh, all of our faculty uh, with an undergraduate degree so this way you get the different disciplines and their input on what they believe the purpose of a general education is what they see as teaching how do they view their students what the purpose of a higher institution is and what values they want to see in the curriculum. That's a really important thing at this moment. Mm. So do you have evidence from, you know, empirical research or surveys or whatever that playing around with the general curriculum and introducing uh, students of uh, business students to philosophy and sociology students to medicine or engineering or uh, something like that, or writing uh, journalism, that this kind of cross-fertilization actually leads to uh, something better in both the individual and the university and society as a whole? 
personally, I haven't looked at any because one of the one of the questions that you have to ask is what kind of things are we looking for? So when you say empirical work, you're looking at mm -hmm. the outcome with respect to certain things. What are these things that we would like to look at? And I don't think that there's an agreement in the education sector on what mm -hmm. kinds of individuals we want to see. So what would be a successful undergraduate education? Is it job placement? Sure, that's an important feature of it, but that's not the only feature. And uh, mm -hmm. is it success within the job? Is it uh, long-term happiness? Is it satisfaction? Is it mental health? I don't know. Right. What criteria are we looking for? And before we answer this question, I think it's very difficult to look at the empirical work and judge based on that. Right. So on what basis now did you make these decisions? Just your, your best judgment and the best judgment of other professors that uh, this is a useful thing? Well, I mean, there are lots of different uh, ways in which we can approach this. So as uh, institutions of higher learning, we try to learn from other institutions of higher learning, mm -hmm. as well as people who are experts in the field of education. So this is the right. kind of uh, work we look at. One of the things that you've, you can see, for instance, is a trend within institutions of higher learning is moving away from the very opaque requirements uh, that students don't understand what they are, what a lot, a lot of people call the sort of disciplinary uh, requirements. They mm -hmm. ask you, take, you just told me about uh, uh, your course in the humanities. So a lot of our mm -hmm. students are required to take a bunch of courses in the humanities. They don't understand what the humanities are. They graduate right. without understanding what the humanities are. And, mm -hmm. you know, they never have to worry about that later on in their lives. And so a lot of institutions, for instance, are moving away from these opaque titles to make mm -hmm. the value the, both the content and the value of what the student is learning more transparent to them. So yes. uh, that's uh, so when I when we look at or we call it benchmarking. We, we, what we look at when we look at the practices in other institutions, we ask, well, why is it that they're doing this? Does this solve a problem for us? Is this the right approach for us? This is how I like to pursue these kind of administrative tasks. Mm -hmm. I see what else is done. I look mm -hmm. look at the reasoning behind what's done. I'll also look at you know, whatever measures of success I select, we'll look, see whether these programs are successful on these fronts, given my own measures of success, and then mm -hmm. uh, see if this kind of solution would work for our own uh, local context. And so it mm -hmm. was that along with understanding, as a philosopher, I always have to ask, why are we doing this? What's the purpose of mm -hmm. this? What is the point of a general education curriculum? What joins all of these things together? What kind of a story can we tell our students to, to tell them tell them what it is that they're doing in this their undergraduate careers? Um, mm -hmm. While answering these questions, a lot of the suggestions that we're working on have come up. And mm -hmm. of course, you can't do that narrowly from one discipline. You have to be talking to people from all sorts of different disciplines. Otherwise, it's just going to have one very particular flavor. Uh, interdisciplinary uh, conversations between them, whether it's the medical doctors or the engineers or the professors from business school or the, the, those in agriculture and nutrition or the faculty of arts and sciences where most of these classes are taught. It's very important to have these very different and varied conversations uh, in order to inform you. And so without relying on my colleagues and gaining a lot of wisdom, and we really have such a beautifully varied faculty body mm. where... Yeah you really can learn so much about so many different things. And mm -hmm. uh, when, it, when it comes to something as, as global as uh, education within our institution, it's very insightful and very fulfilling to integrate all of these different approaches and these different uh, visions of, of what things should be. 
So I took a philosophy course when I was an undergraduate in the United States many decades ago in the last century, and I, I kind of enjoyed it. I think I learned some stuff. My question to you as a philosophy professor and, and, and a philosopher, a student and a, and a practitioner of philosophy, what is it in your field of philosophy that would be useful as you prepare this kind of uh, broad curriculum? What would a philosophy element do to help the student life or the general life of a student, say, who's in the business school or medicine or engineering or journalism? Thank you. One of the questions I've been asking myself for years in my role as education director, and then there's my role as a professor of philosophy. So I'll answer mm -hmm. that question on both fronts. Mm -hmm. As a general education director, I found my background in philosophy to be extremely helpful in being flexible once again to speak to people from these various disciplines to understand what each of these courses is doing, how these different courses connect together. So mm -hmm. I'll give you an example of what I believe was extremely helpful for my own discipline in formulating the new suggestions and new proposal for general education. Mm -hmm. As I said, one of the biggest problems that we see is the students don't know what liberal education is. They don't understand the value of liberal education because no one ever explicitly tells them. And, um, and if, if we do, we use a lot of the terms that are familiar to us and not necessarily familiar to them. So right. one of the ways in which we can frame what we're doing in a general education curriculum is to put all of this in a transparent way in the mission of, uh, of the program. So what I'm suggesting now, and we're working on this as a mission of general education, is that the purpose of general education is to help us understand ourselves, the world, and our role in it. the big categories of knowledge become understanding ourselves as one big category, understanding the world as one big category, and understanding our role in it as another big category. And then the traditional disciplines that we've seen would end up having, again, much more uh, friendly titles. Instead of you need a bunch of classes in the humanities, they tell you you need courses that uh, are under the designation our cultures and histories. Mm -hmm. And similarly, we change the names of all these different uh, disciplines to make them something that the students can relate to and understand and mm -hmm. and and who are hoping to have some sort of a visual or or video in which you explain this to the students and i think that it's the background in philosophy that if you like allowed me to zoom out and see how we can connect these ideas together to present a framework that connects all of these ideas together for our students now in my role as as a faculty member in the philosophy department who contributes to the general education program. Mm -hmm. I think one of the most important things that we, we need when we are in crises is to reflect on our values mm -hmm. and to see, again, what our role in society is. And that's one of the most important features of higher education. So some of the things that we're introducing to the curriculum involve requirement in ethics. Our students need to, to reflect on their own values, to, to see what kind of values are significant, what kind of values are ones that they want to be committed to, what kind mm -hmm. of uh, societal norms are actually dysfunctional and destructive to individuals within the society, what kind of societal norms ought to be upheld. So if I were to give an example, then my favorite example is this, the value of equality or the, the value of the, the importance of recognizing that despite any difference that you can point between two human beings, they're alike from a moral point of view. And if, if yes. you know, in every time I, I, I teach ethics or any form of ethics class, I tell that my students, if that's the only thing you get out of this class, I'm very happy. And so, yes. and so that's one feature in which no matter what you end up doing, whatever your profession is, this is something is, that's extremely important for you to live as a human being. 
So whether in the workplace, outside the workplace, and you're with your friends, with your family, with your society, recognizing this this fundamental insight is is a really important path moving forward. And that gets integrated as well. I mean, this is not exactly philosophy. It's yes. uh, 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 what I'm saying is philosophy, but what I'm saying next is not. Uh, so one of the things that we're trying to integrate, and I, I, I'm very happy that you spoke to uh, Rabia Shibli in, in this podcast earlier. Mm -hmm. uh, we're mm -hmm. working with the community, with the Center for uh, Civic Engagement mm -hmm. on uh, introducing a requirement for community-engaged learning within the curriculum. So, wow. um, uh, so yeah, they're, they're leading on it. Rabia and Brooklyn, I mean, are, are working very hard on that. And, and one of the most important things, and that, felt, that dovetails really nicely with the ethics requirement, this notion of reciprocity, which I believe you spoke about in, your, um, in this podcast, mm -hmm. uh, emphasizing that Again, given that we are all alike from a moral point of view, when people engage in a community, not serve a community, when you serve a community, it's as though you know, you're providing a service. It's, it's, it's as though you're coming here as the person who knows everything. And you know, uh, there's a sense of superiority there. I'm, I'm the savior. Uh, that's not how we want our students to be involved in the community. We want them to be engaged. We want them to treat members of the target community uh, as equals as people who uh, who's in whose thoughts and and ideas about what it is that that should happen within their own community what kind of problems mm -hmm. arise what kind of solutions that's something that you should be talking to members of the target community about you're not coming there from a su superior mm -hmm. uh, lens and, and telling them this is what it is i'm going to fix things for you it has to be done through through respect mutual respect through the understanding uh, that they probably know <laughs> what their community needs are much more, much better than you, no matter what your level of education is. So these are the kinds of themes that, yeah. So you're talking in that example, you're talking about actually humility. And humility is one of the great uh, bases of uh, most religions, uh, certainly a lot of philosophers, and certainly practical, successful people in life, whether they're politicians or, or, or actors or, or teachers or whatever they may be, is to be humble uh, in your interactions with other people. So there's a linkage between how individuals behave in society, say a student and a professor do a community engagement project, and, and what they learn in reading the great books and the uh, classics and the philosophy texts and things of that nature. I actually, I really, uh, I think it's very important to separate the theoretical from, from the practical. In mm -hmm. fact, I, I made sure to in, uh, include that um, uh, when I, in, my, in our conversations. Uh, one of my latest uh, uh, published papers is literally titled Why Moral Philosophers Are Not the Most Virtuous People. Um, mm. So I don't think that it's simply through recognizing things or saying, look, I, I think humility uh, is important. I'm going to be humble. I'm, I'm not mm -hmm. going to overestimate my, um, my knowledge or um, my positive traits. Uh, I don't think that that's just it. I think it also has to do with practice. It has to do with, with really almost like skill acquisition. Uh, mm -hmm. Like you're uh, refining the skill of being uh, a member of society. Mm -hmm. um, so, so, and, and, and you're going to mess up and we all mess up. But, yes. but you get back and you reflect on it and, and, and you fix it. And I don't think that, uh, that we just work on the basis of principles and understand things and simply work on that. And that's actually a lot of research in moral psychology that I, uh, that's my research uh, area. Uh, tells us that's that seems to suggest to it that that's really, really a very 
I don't want to say naive, but mm -hmm. it's a very oversimplistic way of seeing other human beings as though mm -hmm. they're acting on, you know, on the basis of principles or on the basis of explicit ideals. Most of our behavior is just, we just do stuff and, and then don't even think about it. So yeah. <laughs> so yeah, I don't think it's necessarily about humility. It's about participating in a particular way. Uh, you can talk about the virtue of humility, humility inside the ethics and inside a course on ethics. Mm -hmm. uh, however, within the engagement in the community, it has to it has to be activity, reflection, activity, and then reflection. And this is guided by once again a specific set of values that that I think uh, yeah I think uh, we already mentioned. We only have about uh, two minutes left. If a student comes up to you and says, "Hey, I need to get a job next year. I'm graduating next year, and 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 I need to get a job." How is this curriculum, uh, this whole process of uh, general education and expanding my frontiers, how is that going to help me in life? Yeah, <laughs> I've had this conversation so many times with so many mm. students um, and, and some professors. So there are two questions. First of all, a degree from the American University of Beirut has two aspects, right? One that's professional and gives you the, the ropes of mm -hmm. what you need to know for your own profession. And then there's the general education curriculum. Now, I think one of the biggest mistakes in the move in higher education has been to answer the question of what's the purpose of higher education by saying it's the, pur pur the purpose is getting you a better job. I think that that's actually a huge mistake. Uh, your life is not just about your job. Uh, sure, it, it's helpful. And again, an AUB education, a degree from the American University of Beirut is extremely helpful for getting you a job. However, that's not the only purpose of the undergraduate education. Mm -hmm. The general education curriculum will as as a side effect, it will actually, it will help you become better at your job, but that's not the goal of it. It will help you because it will engage critical thinking. It will allow you to write better. It will allow you to think uh, in a way that's respectful and therefore foster a good work environment between you and your colleagues. Mm -hmm. uh, so I can count all of these things in which it will help you within the workplace. But I don't think that that's the goal of it. I think the goal of it is teaching you more how to live as a, as a human being, uh, mm. teaching you to say, look, I need to think about the values that, I, that I'm projecting, the values that I'm mm -hmm. promoting. And I need to think about my behavior. I need to think about what I want to do in society, what my role should be in society. I need to participate with members of my own community, even people who are not within my job or my family. So mm -hmm. these are the kinds of things that will enable better living in general, not necessarily restricting it to a job. And so I, I want my students, and I keep telling them this, I, lit, I literally, this afternoon, I had one of these conversations with one of my mm -hmm. students. Yes. Um, and so I, I think that it's really important for, uh, for that to stop being the only question we ask. It's as though there's only one criterion for success, and that's career-oriented. And I think that, that that's a very uh, narrow view of life. Well, those of us who are way beyond our university years. Uh, we understand that through the experiences of life, and it's great that you are involved now in this process of trying to help uh, uh, younger people, students, or even some of them may not be students, but who take the courses now and then, to, uh, to, to engage with these questions early on. We've run out of time. Uh, Bana, thank you very much for being with us, and I am sure this is an issue that will be with us for uh, years to come as people engage in discussing this and, and, and making it more and more effective as uh, you're trying to do, I know. Um, Thank you very much, Sean. You Thank bet. You. Uh, our guest has been uh, Dr. Bana Bashur, Associate Professor of Philosophy and Director of the General Education Curriculum at AUB. This has been um, Professors at Work. 
a weekly podcast from the American University of Beirut where we look at what professors are doing in terms of their research and, and other work in society, um, what they're finding and why it matters to the rest of us. I'm Rami Khoury, your host. Thank you for joining us and please join us again next week at the same time. Bye for now. <laughs>